calendar house the podcast you'll forget about in 30 years until someone finds it in the background of an old photo and asks if you know what it is and you'll misremember it as the atomic geeks today's episode is unique in that i didn't even know it existed until last year when it resurfaced after over 30 years and everyone who watched it had a lot of fun discovering for the first time but i decided to wait to cover it on a podcast, I waited a year, and now I'm going to make you remember it again. So join us as we surf through space back to 1991 to meet the soulmates in the gift of light. Everybody needs a soulmate. I am nearsighted head Christmas elf whose name you can't remember but whose face you can't unsee, Mike Westfall. And joining me is perfectly spherical celestial body with eyebrows the size of continents. It's Michael DiGiovanni. Hey, DiGio. Hey, Mike. Want to join me in some solar tide action? Gnarly bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Michael, I didn't even realize you had a face until you turned around and then <laughs> smiled at me. That was wild. And that voice is... Blessing us with his lofty, exaltic majesticness via the prototype Bluetooth device attached to his head. It's Jeff Samaji. Hi, Jeff. My head's a phone. It's a headphone. Ah. Oh, I see what you did there. I mean, I guess that had one good joke because I remembered that. <laughs> <laughs> we got one. We found it. One. one. So neither of you had heard of this before, right? <laughs> Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed that this was a beloved Canadian property. That's why I'm here, to be fair. That's right. <laughs> it's not, but but it helps. Speak on to these crimes, Michael. <laughs> what is this? As soon as I started digging into it a little bit, I'm like, it's a straight-to-video Christmas special. That aired first on the Canadian television network, the CBC. I'm like, oh, that's why I was invited to this one. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted you to find something new that we've never seen before. Honest. You have no opinions other than Canadian opinions, Michael. (laughs) We don't want to hear any non-Canadian opinions. That's right. So I don't, Michael. Uh, you know, I, we've made some jokes here about you being Canadian, but it is true for those of you who are listening that are shocked. That <laughs> Guilty as charged. Yes. <laughs> is soulmates a thing in Canada? No, no, it's not. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> like I started watching this and thinking like, okay, this is how much am I supposed to know going into this thing? <laughs> Like, so set the table, Mike, how much of this were we supposed to know 
if we were a child in 1991 turning the like is this an ip is this a thing they tried hard to make it one that this has all the makings of we're going to make a series out of this and we're going to start with this christmas special but to start with this yeah they, they start with this yeah it feels very obvious that this is a backdoor pilot with the hope that they're going to make more of the soulmates but to start with this is also an interesting beginning oh see i took it the exact opposite way i felt like there were four seasons of soulmates before this came out (laughs) because they just introduced things like and of course here's the moon with a face and of course (laughs) here are two aliens on surfboards oh actually they're like four inches high when they come to earth and like Oh right! Of course, the main character is is blind with a seeing eye dog. You know this this character. I all of it, all of it. I was like, I felt like I was going out of my mind watching this. <laughs> well, that is the correct response because I'm assuming all three of us felt that way. <laughs> yeah. It's like if someone tried to redo the Care Bears, but just didn't explain anything. Mm-hmm. That's that is a great analogy, because the biggest thing about this, and I'm sure we're going to get into it as we dissect this special, Mr. Westfall, is nothing is really explained at all. No, they throw you in the middle of a story and yeah, it feels like they really wanted to make this a series and they figured, ah, we'll explain origins later. We have to save Christmas first. Yeah, it kind of uh, reminds me uh, a lot of anime where you watch a (laughs) single standalone anime movie and you're like, oh, the person that made this has books and books and books of backstory at home that they've written in very tight, cramped handwriting of an insane person. And like, they know everything (laughs) that's going on in this world. They're just not telling me in this story, but when it works with anime, cause it's like, Oh, it's building off of this thing that clearly exists in this person's mind. This just made me feel like I was detached (laughs) from, from from any sort of narrative. Um, Yeah. So start us off here. Um, So, so this wasn't direct to video. It did air once on CBC, November 27th, 1991. And the only reason we know that all stems back to someone's family photo in which this happened to be playing in the background. Okay. The photo was actually taken in 1992. So I'm guessing this is a tape of some sort that they had, or maybe it aired twice. Maybe we got lucky. Uh, But this picture is just three kids at Christmas and the specials on the TV behind them. It is the most 1992 picture. There's a Super Nintendo on the floor. Okay. Stack of VHS tapes on the top of the TV. See, the more that you say this, because my first my first question was going to say, is this a hoax? Because it starts out with the most on the nose. Oh, this is being recorded from a VHS player. Uh, adjust your tracking. And it has like little play things and like you hear like <laughs> the sound of the thing. And it was too like on the nose to be an actual like found recording thing. And now that you say that it was found because of a picture of the perfect 1992 family picture with a super nintendo and it's on the background it really 
that doubles down for me that this is a hoax that they like someone made this three years ago or two years ago and is selling me on this being old. I don't believe it. Like every, everyone out there. also Okay. First, everyone out there, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched this, it's going to make no sense to you. You have to stop and go watch this. Yeah. I would highly recommend yeah. uh, to, that you need to at least watch this one. You It will benefit yeah. very yeah. much so. I will say, as the token Canadian, I'm fully on board that this did air in the uh, in the CBC. A truther. Was, I mean, I'm a truther, okay? Like... Uh, I'm a uh, I, I'm a soulmate. No, I have some hard evidence, but let's continue the story. So the youngest little girl in this family photo grows up, finds this picture and fixates on that still image on the TV in the background. It's an elf with a red shirt and white suspenders. She cannot figure out what it's from. So to Dijo's point, this was not a thing in Canada because this family, I think, was from Ottawa. So in 2016, this woman, her name is Emily Charette, shows it around to her friends and co-workers. They have no idea. So next she tries asking the internet. It gets some traction on Tumblr thanks to comic book illustrator Sophie Campbell, uh, who worked on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. She reposts it and even offered a reward to anyone who found it. No one could figure it out. And then a few years after that, it's 2019 now. A podcaster named Will Sloan, who hosts a show called The Important Cinema Club, catches wind of the hunt for this Christmas special from his partner, and he tweets about it to see if anyone could figure it out, and still no one could find it. Because it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> because as they're looking for it, someone is like, we have to make a special. That well, now we got to animate this thing. Yeah. <laughs> now, now we got to write this. <laughs> An elf in suspenders. I will start there. Sure. <laughs> so last year, it took them six years. It's September 2022. Not even the holiday season yet. Will Sloan's partner asks him, try again. You've got a bigger following now. And now it goes viral. And that's how it got to me. Quite a few people forwarded that tweet to me. Mike, do you know what this is? And I have no idea. And I was not about to guess, even though his suggestions were now pouring in. And a whole bunch of them I knew were wrong. One that kept coming up, people thought it was from the Littles. Mm. I could see, yeah. Yeah, another another uncomfortably animated TV show <laughs> right. that I never really wanted to watch. Well, I knew right away it was not the Littles just because... I could tell that it was different. One thing that they hadn't, the only thing they had in common was, oh, they both have pointy ears like an elf. But this is clearly some bearded Christmas elf from something else. And it wasn't a picture of the uh, bad little kid elf uh, with the five o'clock shadow. That right. was clearly a ripoff from a Tiny Toons uh, we will. novel. <laughs> we'll get to, we'll get to we him. Will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, honestly, honestly, Mike, you're not dissuading me at all from this being a hoax. I okay. like I now need to look up all these names and and it's like, oh, well, yeah, this person who worked on on the turtles. Like, I feel like I'm going to Google that name and they're not going to exist. <laughs> no, she exists. She's uh -huh. real. Sure. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't believe you. <laughs> don't believe me. It's hoax. Now, I was watching this show with such a keen eye. I was like hoping that they were going to reference something and then I could like write that down and Google that and be like, that didn't come out until after <laughs> 1991 or something because it was just so 
Nah, I don't know. It's so on the nose of a special you would make to make fun of specials from the early nineties. <laughs> yes, you're not wrong. Yeah, I, I was. I was only surprised that they didn't have the commercials in the in the VHS yeah. uh, recording. Well, the the reason of the good quality recording is coming up, but the- because it was made two years ago, and no, it's it high quality recording. <laughs> Jeff, let it go. Let no, it. No, no, no. <laughs> The picture, like just the still photo, ends up on YouTube. Someone posts, "Does anyone recognize this on YouTube?" And that's where a man named Josh Rastia from Green Bay, Wisconsin, saw it, started digging through his own VHS collection, and he finds it on a compilation tape that he bought off eBay called "Christmas Cartoon Adventures." Wow! Interestingly, this tape has another Canadian special that I had covered before, the Christmas Tree Train. And then this is on there and some other stuff that I haven't gotten to yet and I've never heard of before. Sounds like a treasure trove. Yes. That story is so fascinating, despite Jeff still questioning its validity. But that is such a crazy hunt and story. It's so much better than the special itself. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would rather watch a special about finding this yes. than this special itself. Unfortunately, like, that's a different podcast. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like hosted by a different person. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> I'll I'll throw in like a sound bite, but I cannot like host that podcast. That's like a true crime, but no crime has been committed. I mean, it's a crime against humanity. This yeah, well, well they've lost for quite some more time. The reason you are watching a good quality of this is because the version that we watched was uploaded by the creator and writer of this. Wow. Who had caught wind of this search and she had found, oh, people are finding my special from 1991. I'll upload a good quality of it instead of this crappy one that had been uploaded before. So we watched an official upload of like just a VHS rip by this Gabrielle St. George, who's the writer and producer on this. Hmm, how old is she now? 40? <laughs> <laughs> I question how old she might be. She's 25. She found it. <laughs> I won't believe this. Younger than the special. But yeah, it's younger than the special. So so that's that's the copy we watched on YouTube. I'm gonna put that link in the show notes. That story is so fascinating, but but let's actually talk about this thing because it's it's quite a trip. A trip in in the same way that you would use it for on being on drugs, where it could be very unsettling. <laughs> or or falling down a flight of stairs, to be yeah. completely honest. Take your back. So we open on the night before the night before Christmas. I don't even know how you're going to narrate what happens in this. I'm excited for it, to be honest. Very (laughs) carefully. It's a quiet, snowy city. Looks very peaceful until we see a couple shadowy figures tiptoeing through the street. And one of these guys looks like if Dick Dastardly from Wacky Races owned a discotheque. Yeah, I I kind of had felt like he was sort of like a Dick Tracy villain, like a zoot yeah. suit wearing yeah. like baddie, but he's blue. It's a very unique and strange 
creative design. Yeah, Dick Dastardly plus the guy, the magician from uh, uh, Frosty, kind of mixed in there. Oh, like, yes. Yeah, he's got the curly mustache. That's actually really good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like straight from central casting, we need a low stakes evil villain, someone that's like gonna just put a cat in a tree. Right. That's what he does. Like that's that's the type of design he has. Exactly. It's it, like we need someone that's gonna be able to tiptoe to pluck strings on a violin, <laughs> which they do in the beginning. And then they're not gonna be that evil. Um, although I guess they do get a little bit evil later, but yeah, the first thing he does, he puts a cat in a tree and the cat yowls for, I would estimate about 10 minutes straight about that. Yeah. (laughs) Which is interesting that they spend so much time on inconsequential things in this, in this show. And this is the first one. That's, that's the very first one. It's just like. Cat's still yowling. Let's do you have any plot? But okay. <laughs> they paid a lot of money for that stock soundbite of a cat yowling. They're going to get their money's worth. I'm sure it was the creator. Yeah. They don't have Frank Welker money to bring him in and be a cat. So they oh, no, mm-hmm. this is Canadian animated money. So uh <laughs> it's very low. <laughs> but this guy doesn't just put a cat in a tree he has this magic scepter thing it's it's like a cane which he uses to zap the star of a nearby christmas tree which shuts off the power and he also uses it to like these smoky hands come out of the scepter and place the cat in the tree mm-hmm. so here's our first query of said special right off the jump what is this man supposed to be? Is he a demon? Is he a warlock? Is he an alien? Like none of this is explained. Like yeah, I still yeah. don't know. I know his name. <laughs> we don't find it out now, but we later find out this guy is called Angris McBrag. <laughs> I did not catch that at all. I just assumed that his motivation was covered in the first season of Soulmates that <laughs> led up to this special, but I hear that doesn't exist. Yeah. The unaired four seasons that they didn't quite get to yet. The other thing that could uh, enforce the 90s of this special was anytime Mr. McGregg appears on screen, did you notice the Bill and Ted like guitar riff that plays? Yeah. Yes. Oh. <laughs> they go hard yeah. on that guitar riff. Yeah. 1991. Villains come with a guitar riff. <laughs> so I have some voice credits for this special, but not everybody. Angris McBrag here is one that they managed to identify. It is Al Waxman. <laughs> we'll spread negative energy throughout the entire world. Okay. As the Canadian, this is where I must insert myself into the conversation. Go for it. This is a real person, Jeff. I just <laughs> okay. want to let you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Al Waxman was a bit of a, using air quotes, Canadian television personality. Uh, now, keep in mind, I said Canadian television in that sentence. So, you know, we're already at a fairly low tier here. And his claim to fame was he was on a sitcom in the 70s called The King of Kensington. Okay. So if you were like my parents age, you'd know who Al Waxman was. OK, right? so did this sound like Al Waxman? 
Not at all. Okay. <laughs> See, because that's, that's what I was going to say. I can, over the next hour, animate something and put in the credits with voices by Al West. <laughs> that does not dissuade me that this is a hoax. Like, I could put anyone's name on anything. There's a check on it on Behind the Voice Actors, and I took it as real. So I trust Behind the Voice Actors. They're actually, they're better than IMDb. I'll say that. If they, if they, if they say so. Yeah, Al Waxman was on this King of Kensington show. There's a statue of him in Kensington Market. Yes, Kensington Market's a fairly famous, well, fairly, it's a big famous neighborhood in uh, Toronto. And he, it, there is a piece of iconography of Al Waxman to this day still there. You're correct. Wow. Huh. Do people like, like take pictures with it and like touch it and stuff? Oh, no, it's been horribly graffitied and defaced by now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Al Waxman. <laughs> and there are people who show up and be like, oh, the voice hacks are from Soulmates. It's Angus McBride. Angus McBride doing not at all an Irish sort of accent at all later. He's like, he's what? got, no, he's got almost a, a Brooklyn accent. Oh, eh. In the 90s, all villains were from New York. Hey, yeah. We're going to put the cat up on the roof. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, we're all we're all horrible villains here <laughs> in New York. And, well, he's joined by a shorter guy. with a. He's the little guy with the five o'clock shadow who, who's mm -hmm. posing as an elf later. He's got circles under his eyes and there's a cigar hanging out of his mouth. Questionably hungover, yes. Questionably, questionably hungover. hungover. A, a hungover child, for sure. <laughs> His name is Thomas. I don't have a voice credit for him. Mm. They didn't make one up, Jeff. <laughs> they, just, they didn't get around to it. <laughs> it's hard to make up so many names. Yeah. Sometimes you just stop. You right. Know? Canadian, a lot of Canadian actors aren't in the union. Like uh, that's, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, are we allowed to promote this given the current strikes that are happening uh, with the Actors Guild and everything? I mean, this is like a big property that they were hoping would make a lot of money. I don't want to scab here by talking about <laughs> no. a TV special from 1991 from Canada. Okay, I think we're good. I think we're good. I'm hoping they get what they want by December. So here's here's hoping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This guy's name is Thomas, and his contribution to whatever mischief they're making is rearranging a snowman so that it's frowning instead of smiling. Just yep. the most evil of evil. Evil! <laughs> Low stakes evil, just kind of just inconveniencing people. So him and Angris look like they're just using this magic scepter to do small jerk moves around the uh -huh. city. Not even petty crimes. Just, I'm going to push this kid into the snow and shut off the lights. Yeah, it's barely vandalism. I mean, mm -hmm. it's barely, a, it's hardly a nuisance. It's a minor annoyance than anything that these two villains are perfect. This is basically our intro to the big bads of the special. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is what they're up to. It's... <laughs> He says his plan is to spread negative energy throughout the entire world. Okay, if that's how you want to use your magic scepter. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's maybe he's behind this special because it definitely did put me in a negative <laughs> mood. Uh, it's working. 
working. There's still 25 minutes left. (laughs) So our next stop is at the home of a girl named Ella, whom we quickly learned is blind. No, no, Mike, I will stop you here. We do not quickly learn she is blind (laughs) at all. We learn that she is blind about 20 minutes later when she reads a book in Braille. I was watching this and be like, why are they animating her so weirdly? Why is she taking 20 minutes to pick up her scarf? Like, what is going on? And then, like, it's not until later we see her dog Truman have a harness on the back where I'm like, wait, is she supposed to be blind? (laughs) And then they just kind of talk around it a little bit like i'm the worst helper dog and it's they do say guide dog and is that what we are supposed to believe here was the intent of the animators the storytellers the directors the whole purpose for having this girl blind is just so the dog can be a guide dog yeah that's it that is ella's reason for existing in this special See, because once again, I thought, oh, Ella must be the main character of the show that this is a special of. You would think. And I was like, oh, how progressive of them in 1990 to have a main character that's blind. Except now I learn that it's just so that her dog can leave her because he feels because he gets whammied by Angris. Did you say? Angris. Angris. Not Angus. Angris. 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 Yeah. Sure. No, she would be if this was if this went to a series, she would be the person they helped that week. And honestly, as I was watching this, I was like, how on earth could she keep being the main character of this series? She couldn't. She was just the Care Bears assignment for the week. Right. Does Ella even have a a single line of dialogue? I don't recall if she does it like one or two. It's not a lot. Yeah, because she's like reading the book in Braille. She says some stuff. And then as she's falling asleep, she's like, Truman, you're the best friend I ever had. Okay, here's a question then. Ella is blind. We see her bedroom. We see her fall asleep. Why would she need a picture of herself and the dog? Oh, Oh my God. We're going to get to that. We're, We're getting ahead of ourselves here. We're going to get back to that picture. Oh, dear me. (laughs) Negative energy. Negative energy. I had the same question. I did. I did not question this. Forget it. I'm going to answer it now. It's the dog's picture. I'm not even making that up. The dog (laughs) takes the picture and puts it in a bag. Yes. So it's the dog's picture. Because the dog runs away because the dog let's let's explain what happens. Yes. I mean, I have the benefit of having seen this a few times to make these notes. So maybe it's obvious to me the second or third time around. Oh, yeah, we quickly learned she's blind. No, I quickly remembered she was blind. It's what happened. (laughs) Oh, that's why she's feeling around for five minutes for her scarf. She can't see. Hindsight is 2020. Unlike Ella. And then. The dog talks and I flipped my pen in the air. I, nothing means anything anymore. In this. I had no idea what was going on. I can't believe I let this happen to her. I guess I'm getting too old to be a guide dog. <laughs> the voice of Truman the dog is John Stalker. Speaking of the Care Bears, he's the voice of Beastly in the Care Bears. Oh, hi. I know him best as Toad from the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Wow. Oh, 
Oh, wow. Okay. So there's your range. Yeah. Let me try to bring some positive energy back into uh, this mm. special. Yeah, soulmate us. <laughs> Do it. Soulmate let, us, Michael. Let me get some soulmate action and going in here. Truman is probably the most likable and my favorite of any of the characters. And I want to just ask at this point, as we're getting into it, that includes Santa is one of the characters. Oh, we're going to go. We're, <laughs> just so the listeners know. Yes. We'll get to, uh, to Mr. Claus. But I do want to ask the panel here. What are your thoughts on the animation of the special? It's better than I was expecting, to be honest. Like in the beginning, like it. It looks really well as they're tiptoeing through the streets. I'm like, wow, that's actually high quality. And it could just be we got the good copy of the VHS. Mm. No, it's definitely um, like on par with uh, Tiny Toons um, when it comes right. to sure. animation style. It's not like um, what's the what's the one where they only animate like 10 frames a second or something. It's not like a He-Man style. It's not. I was going to say He-Man. Yeah, it's not like super low budget. Like there clearly was some money put into this. Yeah, and it's not like that early 90s attempt at CGI animation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's it actually gives off like Disney or Warner Brothers light. Like mm -hmm. so yeah. Truman almost looks like um all dogs go to heaven or yeah, like Don Bluth. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. He looks Don Bluthy. Yeah, it does look very Don Bluth. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, especially like with some of so when when Truman gets whammied in his eyes and like those spiral eyes, very Don Bluthy type of like uh animation in there. And the dog, yeah, the 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 thing. Um definitely better animation than I thought it was going to be <laughs> when you said a discovered 1991 Canadian production. Yeah. <laughs> we do have a voice credit for Ella too, because she's kind of whistling jingle bells to herself or whatever, mm -hmm. humming jingle bells to herself. She is voiced by Gemma Zampronia, who played Felicity King on the show Avonlea for most of the 90s. Oh, there you go. Huh. Really? Yes. Okay. I Nope. Nope. We could just leave that door to my my. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's all I got. <laughs> my mom loved that okay. show. I nope. watched it all. Anyway. Yep. Mm -hmm. We've done the appropriate recognition that yeah. Avonlea was a thing. We can yep. move on. <laughs> I know who Felicity is. Head tip. Yep. And we're done. There we go. Yeah. So she she's going out to take Truman for a walk. Truman gets zapped by Angris McBragg's magic scepter hands, who specifically do something to Truman's eyes, leaving him unable to guide Ella, who walks into the middle of the road and almost gets hit by a car. The one car on the road that's <laughs> covered in snow. Yep. And this is this is what starts Truman down his path of self-doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not until maybe 20 minutes later in this episode where you realize that the, the whammy is instilling doubt into people. Yes. Uh, yes. Because immediately after Truman is like, well, I'm the worst. I got to go. And he packs up his picture and leaves. And I'm like, yeah, why? <laughs> right. why? but it, it, then we later realize it's because he's, he's being eaten alive by self doubt, which I did not, I did not get at first. No, I, I have to say the subtle subtext of what was happening to Truman with his, <laughs> with his eye whammy from Angris <laughs> didn't, didn't really get to me. I was too busy wondering, this is the one car on the road right now. The streets covered in snow almost hits a kid. 
Also, I don't know what time it is, but this girl's ready to take her dog for a walk in the snow at night. Also, she can't see. <laughs> so <laughs> not her best decision. Not poor planning on poor Ella's yeah. part here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Truman guides Ella back to the sidewalk, and this is where he gets all mopey, wondering if he's losing his own eyesight. Meanwhile, before this near accident even happens, we see Angus McBrag and Thomas take off in some kind of flying Cadillac spaceship. Which is, uh, seems to be the consistent vibe for vehicles here. Yeah. It's got this strange future tech vibe that they're trying to instill into this. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, especially with Santa. Santa yeah. is is in one of those like Wally don't get up from the chair chairs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We cut to him in his spaceship. I don't think it's his sleigh. No, we see him in his sleigh later. Yeah. This is some different spaceship he owns. No, he's definitely in a chair and he's like, no one believes in me anymore. And like his whole chair swivels and then hovers out of the room. Yeah. I was like, wow, Santa, you're not even trying anymore. Like, no. He he's reading the paper and all that's in there is bad news. But the headlines are just one to two words like hostage taking robbery war War. breaks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything's terrible. Mm -hmm. Everything's terrible. But this leads us into another big Christmas special trope here is where no one believes in Christmas anymore. So Santa quits. Yep. I mean, this this is, I think, done the most successfully in the year without a Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. But as soon as they do this, like, I kind of went, here we go. This this is a familiar one uh, that hap- that shows up in these specials where Santa's like, what the heck? No one believe no one cares about Christmas anymore. I'm finished. I'm through. I, I got to say, guys, I think we should let the market decide on this one. And if no one <laughs> believes in Santa, yeah, maybe it's time for Santa to quit. I mean, <laughs> if if there's no room in the marketplace of ideas for Santa Claus, I'm kidding. I hate capitalism. <laughs> I want it to burn to the ground. But, you know, like, but there is there is kind of a little point there, right? If, like, no one believes in Santa Claus anymore, like, yeah, that's sad. But, like, you could retire. <laughs> like, I don't know. Right. Go to Go to Boca, Santa. There we go. <laughs> I don't have a voice credit for Santa, unfortunately. But well, because it's Santa, it's the Santa Claus. It's, it's yes, the, and Santa Claus as himself. As himself. <laughs> Let's see who's on which list this year. It's a shame. The nice list seems to get shorter and shorter. But yeah, it's it really creates this future technology that santa is is using the entire north pole it's like he's in some sort of dome yeah mm-hmm. he flies like a, a space car i've gotta say even at this off the jump the first time we meet this santa and as which is then further demonstrated as the the special goes on Santa, this Santa doesn't appear to have any powers himself. Mm-hmm. All he relies on is technology, it appears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got a TV remote embedded into his hover chair there, yeah. turns on the TV, and we see a bell ringing street corner Santa get robbed mm-hmm. on his closed circuit surveillance camera that everyone has when they need it. 
Right. Santa could just sitting there helpless to do anything to help that <laughs> that other Santa get robbed. Well, nothing I could do. I don't have powers. I just have technology right. around me. He is shocked at what he sees and he wonders, I wonder if anyone believes in the Christmas spirit anymore. And he says, why bother? And flies off in his rocket. <laughs> doesn't tell anybody. Doesn't shut the operation mm-hmm. down. No. <laughs> Just like, that's it. I'm out of here. And goes off into space. (laughs) Wherever he's going. (laughs) I like, like, what was his plan? I mean, we will later find out his plan is to sit on a park bench (laughs) and just give up on life. It's just. And argue with a dog about whose bench it is. And (laughs) argue with a dog about whose bench it is. The most un-Santa-like thing. A dog and Santa sit down on the bench at the same time, and Santa goes, hey, bud, this is my bench. (laughs) Just like Santa would. Santa starts that argument. (laughs) That's how done this Santa is with the world. (laughs) This is like the exact opposite of Miracle on 34th Street Santa, who's just had it with (laughs) grown-ups. But I'm jumping ahead. Of course, in the next scene, we meet aliens. <laughs> yes, we cut to the other side of the other side of the universe. And I don't know what that means. Oh, they wanted it so much to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking the universe is shaped like a pancake and you flip it over and here we are. Yeah, it's an it's a poor attempt at like a Dr. Seussian bit of imagination <laughs> yes. that just like trying to make it sound clever and fairy tale ish, mm-hmm. but it just it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like uh, you know, stay station eight and three quarters or whatever. Right. <laughs> Close uh, enough. Know, other side of the other side of the train station, whatever. Yes, yeah. it, the universe is shaped like an MCS or staircase. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, here we are with the titular soulmates, their little alien sprites riding on surfboards in the Mm. middle of the void because it's 1991 and every cartoon has to have its surfer dude. A hundred percent. Now, these the the soulmates here, their faces to me were like a blend of the cartoon Pac-Man and Elmer Fudd. Like that was, was, I was getting that kind of vibe from it a bit. That's a good vibe. Yeah. Throwing a sous-saw of the cartoon Rubik's Cube face in there a little bit. Like that, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, just straight up 90s animation style. Like nothing, like you wouldn't be able to pick these aliens out of a lineup of other 90s aliens. No. Like. No. Nope. Absolutely. They have fluffy little almost mohawk tufts of hair. Yep. They got their little Bluetooth headsets attached to their heads. They look like car headlight panels. Yeah. And they're spewing the most early 90s bass, <laughs> like bonus, gnarly, radical. Like they're. <laughs> <laughs> and then we learn a piece of information that once again had me flip my pen in the air, which was it's time for their first mission. And that's when I totally knew that there was not a, an existing IP for this <laughs> before no. this. I was like, first mission, unless they're doing a prequel here, but I doubted it. Uh, and they're given that to them by a giant, was it pink or blue? I can't remember. I giant, thought it was purple. A purple. <laughs> yes. 
Somewhere in the middle of what you said, Jeff. Yeah, yes. yeah. Just this big round head with a face. Oh, it is pink. I have pink in my notes. Right. Whatever. <laughs> so here is my second query of this said special. What in the world is this supposed to be? Is it a giant ball of light? Is it a sun? Is it an all-powerful cosmic entity? Like, what is this good soul thing? Mm-hmm. What is it? <laughs> I don't know. They call him the good soul. He reminded me a little of Zordon from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers because he acts like a giant viewing globe. Mm-hmm. Right. As he receives a distress call from Earth and he tells the soulmates, Soulmates, hurry. This could be your first mission. Is he really big and far away or small? Because they're very small. I can't tell. I could not tell. I would love to believe that he is like a sun-sized thing. That's what I you would think. But then when we see the proportion of the soulmates, I'm like, is this thing just the size of a basketball? Right. Like, yeah. This all-knowing uh, <laughs> uh, lead soul can uh, actually be dunked. <laughs> it's... It's like every behind the scenes clip you see of filming the Lord of the Rings where the hobbits are actually standing 20 (laughs) feet away. Yeah. Uh, Question, what the bleep do aliens care about Christmas? I don't know. They (laughs) They know who Santa is or they sure act like it as they're talking about this distress call. But first, let's meet our soulmates. We have Orion. Bonus! who is voiced by Wayne Robson. Wikipedia tells me he's best known from the Red Green Show. Okay. He played a thieving character named Mike Hamar on that show. As far as voice acting goes, if you watched the Adventures of Tintin cartoon, he was Professor Calculus. And in The Rescuers Down Under, he was Frank the Little Lizard sidekick of the poacher bad guy. Mm. A true master of the form here is what we're saying. (laughs) Only memorable performances. (laughs) No, I know Wayne Robson best from One Magic Christmas. Oh. With Mary Steenburgen, he's the guy who robs the bank out of desperation. There you go. Animated? No, no, it's oh. it's 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 live action. It's from 1985. Mary Steenburgen. It's that's a trip by itself. Mm. I might have to cover that. That's a movie, so I don't know. But I mean, it's wild. And the uh, the other name, the there was Orion and Orion and Aurelia. Orion. If they turned into gnarly sets, you'd end up on the other side of the other side of the universe. Who is voiced by Sheila McCarthy? who was the TV news reporter in Die Hard 2. That is right. She was a fixture in Canadian television as well. I think she was actually in an episode of The Littlest Hobo. Okay. (laughs) Well, (laughs) DJ, as as a fellow father, do your kids watch Disney's zombies at all? My daughter used to, yes. So in Zombies 3, she's actually an alien in that too. She's uh, the long lost grandmother of Addison in zombies. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure we made it to the third one. Oh, but, uh, well, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Does she have a statue in a marketplace somewhere? <laughs> uh, Don't think so. You turn the Al Waxman statue no. around. It's her. Oh, where's the airport in Die Hard 2? It's out there. The yeah. <laughs> so. Inside this giant viewing globe, we see 
a reindeer looking out a window. Santa's gone. He's the only one in the whole world who can make Christmas happen. Without Santa, there won't be a Christmas. This reindeer is specifically Comet. Get it? Because that's the space name. Mm. <laughs> and Comet in this universe is apparently the leader of Santa's reindeer. I don't think I would have ever pegged Comet to be the leader. Thank you for bringing this up because mm. I had to write, put that in my notes. I was like, is this canon anywhere else that Comet is the established leader of the reindeers? Because they... He doesn't seem like the choice here. Mm -hmm. I know Comet is a prominent reindeer to Tim Allen Santa Claus, but he doesn't. He's not like a leader role. He's just. No, he's more yeah. like a farter. In <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. Yep. No. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it starts with Dasher, right? So it either right. has to be led by Dasher or Dancer. They're like the two in the front. I wouldn't I wouldn't think Comet unless, you know, leads from all the way in the back behind. Yeah. But then there's even Donder and Blitzen behind them. Right. Comet's in the middle. He's in the middle. It's yeah. a that's a very strange setup if you're putting your leader fourth or fifth. Like it's sort of weird. Unless Santa's calling them in columns, which I don't think is happening. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I do want to point out, uh, you know, they're like, oh, uh, you know, there's without Santa, there'll be there'll be no Christmas. Uh, just in case uh you thought that it was going to pull <laughs> that it was going to pull a Grinch move here. No, <laughs> it, the answer really is that Santa is what Christmas is all about. But look, then we go into a 90s RB jam. Oh, we my sure God. Do. <laughs> the first of two, the, the first one made me pause this and yes, just to double check that this is only 24 minutes long because I was like. How are they able to pad so much of this with so little time to get through? So it just means they have very little story spread very thin over 24 minutes. Yeah, the answer to how are they fitting this all into 24 minutes by not explaining anything. There's, There's nothing that. here. There's nothing here. No, Comet takes on the responsibility as head of the reindeer to find Santa, but admits it'll take a miracle, or as this good soul suggests, a soulmate, and cue this theme song. Sung by Sean Jackson, who is now the voice of Teacher Harriet on Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Oh, my Lord. That's Jeff nailed this. This is the most R&B score and mute and songs. It is such an odd discordant choice to the visuals that you are watching. Oh, yeah. I don't hate it, though. Oh, no. The, it's a jam. The song itself is so bizarre but also strangely like where did this come from but when you right. think about that it's placed in this christmas special it is such a strange marriage of story visuals and then this song with sax and keyboard mm -hmm. and the most 90s you know r&b singing like it is i love it but it's also so weird i did find myself uh humming it uh, oh, yeah. the special. <laughs> but when did um uh National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation come out? 89. 89, right? So like right around this, supposedly, if it's not <laughs> they were believe. animating this and they were like, oh, Christmas animation goes with Soul Jam. <laughs> and I guess wow. it, it makes sense that it's soul, you know, mates as well. 
So yeah, I don't know. QED is there? I feel like <laughs> there's there like is. some some string on a board somewhere. <laughs> like yes, yes. Well, this theme song doesn't even mention Christmas. This I think was the first hint I got of oh, this was supposed to be a pilot to a show that never got greenlit. You're right. You're right. That was your theme song for the for the for the show the show. What one hundred percent? Well, then I don't know. There's a second one that that plays. Uh, so they clearly commissioned two, uh, uh, 90s soul jams for this. Uh, it wasn't the same one again, right? No, it was no, a, it was it not. Was a second sure. song. Yeah. It was a second song. Yeah. See? <laughs> so this good soul emits some kind of beam of light that swirls around Orion and Aurelia, turns them into tiny glowing orbs, and they all fly off through an asteroid field on their way to Earth, which seems like a really short trip from the other side of the other side of the universe. That's what I'm saying is like they spend a lot of time doing nothing and then things that should take time is just like, well, they got to Earth. <laughs> well, whatever. Uh. They just flip over to the other side of it and Earth's in the corner. So, so as they reach the space above our home planet, the good soul tells these two soulmates this job is of unusual importance for a first mission. Here's where we find out the reindeer was Comet because Orion says it here. I just, I love the fact that now is when we learn that it was Comet that said things. I mean, that's just like de rigueur for this this yeah. uh, this show. They do something and then they don't tell you what, who was doing the thing or why until much later in it. Did they think this was like a murder mystery for children? <laughs> and like, they're really going to want to know who, who that reindeer was. We'll tell them in like five minutes. They'll yeah, they'll it. need to go back and watch it over <laughs> and over so, again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> from the makers of glass onion if we're gonna tie any loose ends we're gonna tie who's this reindeer ryan johnson's soulmates (laughs) (laughs) but these two soulmates are completely confident that they can help santa and save christmas possibly too confident but before they go the good soul gives them one last bit of advice sometimes you start out facing one problem and before you know it it's grown and multiplied Negativity will do that, but positivity does the same, even stronger. So if you haven't caught on yet, that's the message of this whole special, the power of positivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, has never let us down. Uh, like, if you just look at, uh, I don't know, maybe like just like the last six years, um, you know, thinking that things could maybe get better uh, has worked real well for us. So good, good lesson, soulmates. Soulmates. <laughs> I blame soulmates for the state of the world right now. (laughs) You taught us that if we just thought about it being better, it could be. Jeff, maybe the thing was, is this no one knew about this special. Mm. And if we had, if it had been a broken through the the zeitgeist, we wouldn't be experiencing these problems. Uh, We're going to turn a corner now with this podcast episode. (laughs) Don't hold me to that. (laughs) It's like, I just imagine it's like the ending credits to Bill and Ted. Uh, you know, we hear <laughs> rock and roll to you. And it's just this podcast, and then like uh, a whole bunch of montages about like climate change reversing, Trump goes to prison, like COVID ends. It's just like rock and roll to you. It's like, wow, it was the soulmates all along. That's it. So back at the North Pole, Comet sends the other reindeer to search for Santa. So the seven reindeer, 
because Rudolph's a myth, like Thrasher. They yeah. they fly off, and as they do, we hear one elf sarcastically shout, Break a leg. And that elf is Thomas from before, the short cigar chomping guy. Clearly, things are a little in disarray because Santa's disappeared. But can someone talk about or look into the hiring process here at the North Pole? <laughs> yes. Like, how? What references did we check to allow this this bedraggled young boy boy man thing that, right. like, to, to get hired here? <laughs> You just pull up a truck and any elves that want to work that day hop into the truck and you bring them to the factory, pay him a couple bucks. He's smoking a cigar, for God's sakes. It's 1991. (laughs) They can't check the Internet. (laughs) Is this at this? Is this the point at which uh, he eats the cigar? Which I I think so. Just disgusting. That's not a funny joke. It's gross. Yeah. Just, oh, I got to hide the cigar so the elves don't know I smoke. They're elves. They all got pipes. <laughs> <laughs> the respectable type of smoking. That's right. <laughs> Listen, kids, if you're a kid listening to this, don't waste your time with cigarettes. Frosty <laughs> smokes a pipe. So can you. You no. want to be cool like Frosty, <laughs> don't you, kids? Terrible. <laughs> Don't do as I say, not as I do. Um, yeah, it turns out Thomas is a newly recruited elf, but Comet doesn't feel right about him. Questioning the head elf, Pops, and Pops is the elf from the family photo that was on the TV in the background. Yes, yes. So it's his fault. It's all his fault. He's the one everybody mistook for the littles. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. But <laughs> Pops tells Comet, But Comet, I checked his references. He came highly recommended. Well, okay. I don't know who they're calling. So, (laughs) clearly this plot to spread negativity has something to do with taking over Santa's operation. We'll find out how a little later. For now, Comet takes off to look for Santa himself. Where do the other reindeers go? And, like, they, they all just go... Comet finds Santa pretty fast. What's I'd love a jump cut to go where? What are these other reindeers doing at this point? I don't know. Everybody pick a continent. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the closest one. Yeah, it's like when you work retail and like your boss is like, "Oh, I gotta run uh, and do an errand," uh, and you like. You have an hour. Like, what are you going to do? Work for that hour? No way. You're like locking the door and you're all going out doing stuff for an hour until they get back. Like, that's what those reindeer are doing. It's like, oh, Santa's gone. Mm, I got to go do some stuff. I'm just. I'm going to Ibiza. I'm going to Ibiza. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, we cut back to Ella, the blind girl, reading Twas the Night Before Christmas to her dog, Truman. Here is where we get the close up of the book and we see that she's reading in Braille. Yep, finally. Yeah, and I tried to see if I could translate it to see if it was accurate. It is not. (laughs) I don't even think it's translatable. I got to like the third character, and depending on how it's supposed to be lined up, it's either the letter K or a decimal point. Mike Westfall, God bless your heart (laughs) that you would even Uh, attempt such research. That is a testament to this podcast. And I'm glad you did, because it just shows you how, like, ableist this was. (laughs) They tried. I thought, you know what? They have a blind girl in here. Maybe they're going to do accurate 
braille. No, nope. hell no. no. <laughs> you think the animators give a good goddamn about anyone? <laughs> no, they're like, ah, put some dots on the paper. No one will know. At least no one who can see. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely they didn't care. So I'm very glad you did that because I, I would have assumed it was just dots, of course. Yep. Right. Yeah. So she goes to bed, tells her dog she loves him. You're the best friend. And the dog leaves her while she's asleep. Yeah. Well, it's because he got whammied with the self-doubt yeah. thing that we weren't really sure what was working. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's why. But like, I, I still didn't really understand like why he was leaving. Although I guess, you know, like people in my life have told me that they love me and I'm like, I don't know why you would. Uh, and then I leave. <laughs> so I get what Truman is doing. Uh, I get it. Yeah. This is where he packs a little bag for himself with some personal items, including that photo of him and Ella. Oh. That's why there's a framed photo in the blind girl's room. It's the dogs, of course. <laughs> he could just be stealing that as a memory, <laughs> right? <laughs> no reason. Yes, and the silverware is his too. <laughs> right. Probably taking that. Yeah. <laughs> Not like she can see it, but... <laughs> This all happens during the only other song in this special, also sung by Sean Jackson. It's called Don't Forget Me, even though that seems to be exactly what Truman wants Ella to do. <laughs> so now we cut to Christmas Eve morning as Orion and Aurelia find Comet by crashing into him in midair. Yep, up in the clouds. Up in the clouds. Comet mistakes them for bugs at first because, as we can now see, they're rather small in stature compared to the reindeer. Yeah, that another surprise for me. I thought they would at least be child size, but no, they're they're smurf size. They're smurf size. they're basically yeah. smurf size. Three apples high. It's hard to tell <laughs> in the vacuum of space. Space exactly <laughs> right. Which was another question about how big Mr. Soul was, but anyway. I still don't know. Yeah. But Aurelia explains who and what they are, and they're here to help, quote, liberate Christmas. <laughs> the Christmas Liberation Front. Right. <laughs> they're here to, to unlock Christmas for everybody. Sure. I mean, technically, that is what happens. Liberate Christmas? They're not liberating Christmas. Yes. And they don't know yet that Christmas is being mucked about with, all mm -hmm. they know is, is that Santa decided to leave. So you're really, all you're doing is you're getting Santa back as far as they should know. Yeah. I think it's because like the original creator, this was taken out of their hands and re-edited by the studios in, <laughs> right. in the original director's <laughs> cut, which is four hours longer. It makes way more sense. Oh, there uh, it is. Zack Snyder's soulmate, <laughs> the dawn of <laughs> Gift of Light, I want that now. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to see another minute of this. <laughs> <laughs> so Comet says he's lost all hope of finding Santa in time. And the soulmates explain if he gives up hope now, he'll never find them. The key is to think positive. Right as they positively almost get run over by a very fast flying black Cadillac. Hey, Angris McBrag is back. Hmm. And immediately after the flying car zooms past him, Aurelius suddenly disappears and no one thinks anything of it. Just, huh, wonder where Aurelia went. 
and they move on. Yeah. As the special is wont to do, something <laughs> happens and we move on. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I can't understand is so much happens quickly and or off screen, but then they had so much more of it. So I, yeah, it's, it's such an uneven, unevenly, uh, are we at the bench now where, uh, yeah. Yeah, Santa this is, gets into it with Truman. We cut to a park where both Santa and Truman are very politely arguing over a bench. Oh, sorry. Oh, my fault. Uh, but this is my bench. You'll have to find another one. I'm afraid I was here first. You'll have to leave. Well, maybe we can share. I just love the fact that Santa would be like, this is my bench, punk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've given up on Christmas, sure, but surely you're still Santa Claus. Yeah, you're still. Yeah, it's not like you've had years and years of being jaded. I mean, you just left. Right. <laughs> right? And Santa's trying not to be recognized. He's wearing a trench coat and a white brimmed fedora, but he's still got those red pants. So we all know he's Santa. But Truman asks, don't I know you from somewhere? But he can't quite place it. And I'm thinking. Oh, they're going to have Truman help him out somehow without realizing who this is until the very end. But no, Comet and Orion immediately find Santa. Immediately. And they utter an incredible quote here that they say, That old bum on the bench looks like Santa. That old bum on the bench looks like Santa. <laughs> that What a quote for a children's Christmas special. That old bum on the bench. They're going to repeat that next time they go to the park. Merry Christmas, everyone. everyone. <laughs> well, Comet's overjoyed at first, but Santa tells him he's not going back. No one believes in me anymore. What was Santa's plan? Just live in that park now? Yeah, he, he lives there now. Yeah. That's it. This is where I'm going to die. <laughs> yes, it's, he's just giving it, giving up and going to lie in a park and figure things out. It's a very, very strange plan. It, yeah, well, I think, yeah, he's just, he's at the end of his rope. He's done. But we don't linger on that. We cut back to the North Pole where Thomas, still disguised as an elf, tries to convince the other elves that Santa isn't coming back. They need a new leader. But Pop says no one can replace Santa. And here is the moment of this special that was on the TV in that photo, right? Right at 11.55 on this YouTube video. So it's right at the moment where... Uh, the the elves are deciding whether or not to unionize and overthrow Santa with a new leader. It sure <laughs> sounds like it. Or not. I mean, it's it's once again a, a, a very capitalist sort of uh, TV show where yeah. kind of this leadership exceptionalism where no one but the genius of Santa. <laughs> uh, you know, remember when Santa married Grimes? He's a genius. <laughs> you know, he came out no. with the electric sleigh. He's a genius. Can't replace him. They should have unionized. <laughs> <laughs> Someone should have been like, no, it's not time to replace Santa. It's time for the workers to rise up. My job. <laughs> We can do this on our own <laughs> our own him. What does he do? Delivery. We can get UPS to do that. That would have been a good story. They could have, right? Santa could have seen that and be just like, oh, maybe people believe in me after all. The elves sure did. <laughs> he, or, they, they, or he'd be like, oh, they really don't need me. Well, I can't have that. I'll show them. It becomes they a can. revenge picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> 
<laughs> or it gets to Santa on the bench frozen to death. Oh no. It's like kids still get their gifts, but now it's a union shop. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is conveniently right before we hear a familiar ho, ho, ho from a nearby chimney. I've asked this before about other specials, but why does Santa enter his own workshop via chimney? Hmm. Actually, this isn't his workshop now that I'm thinking about it. It's the elves' bunk. There are beds along the wall. Yeah. Well, that's why it's supposed to be a safe space for elves, and that's the only way he can get in is he leaves this back door open for himself, uh, you know, so he could check in on, on his workers. Painting a very negative picture. I was you. You're giving him the the gears, right? This isn't a good Santa. Look at how no. quickly he just I up mean, and he, quit. Yeah, he gave up. He left. This is a really bad Santa. I think we're only halfway through this. This is not a. This is not a great Santa. Yeah, and it's not Santa who emerges from the chimney. It's Angerus McBrag who formally introduces himself here twelve minutes into the special. <laughs> I am Angerus McBrag, your new Santa. This is the first time we get his name almost exactly halfway through, but the first thing he does is bang his head on the ceiling because this room is elf-sized. Maybe that's why Santa needs to use the chimney. <laughs> Not that that seems to matter now because Angris proclaims himself the new Santa, and he thanks Thomas for taking care of things before he could arrive and gives him a little gift of Aurelia in a tiny cage. Hey, I found this thing. In the sky, you yeah. want it? <laughs> it's called a soulmate. Says she's here to save Christmas. Does he know any of this? He does now because Aurelia probably like, hey, I need to go back there. I'm a soulmate. Explains this to him. So I'm just like, oh, all right. Here, just hop in this cage and I'll bring you back. <laughs> right. Nope. All the explanation once again happening off screen. Off screen. Of course. Well, and this looks to be where they fade to a commercial break. What time is it? Why, it's Christmas time, sir. Do you know the Canadian Tire down the street? Yes, sir. Do you know the Nintendo Action Set they carry? The one with the double gamepad for only $114.49? What a wonderful boy. Enchanting boy. And the Super Mario games. Like Super Mario 3 for only $59.99? That's it. Bring them to me and there's a dollar in it for you. Five bucks and you got a deal. Canadian Tire lets you give like Santa and save like Scrooge. Greetings, eh? I'm Dave, and this is Dan Salutations. Today we find ourselves sadly behind schedule, and yet, as always, we find time for the Pop-Tart. Footnote, Dan, the Kellogg's Pop-Tarts. Whoa, nice tan. Yeah, and check out the ample fruit filling. More than ample, Dave. Abundant. Good one. Product shot. Pop-Tarts, the tidally tasty thermal, thermal pastry. pastry. Remember that show back. Hello, TV lovers. We want to know if you remember that show? The Retro Network's newest nostalgia-filled podcast that will have you flipping the channels of your memories and discovering vintage entertainment that's gotten lost in the static of years gone by. We're your hosts and we want to introduce ourselves. I'm Adam Pope. And I'm William Bruce West. Each month on Remember That Show, we will discuss a different obscure or forgotten TV show from the 80s or 90s that we love hate or want to debate we'll be reliving some of our favorite tv moments from the good old days and occasionally cracking the lenses of our rose-colored glasses 
It's all happening here on the Retro Network. So remember, when you're looking for the best in nostalgic entertainment, you just have to ask yourself one question. And when we return, Angris starts explaining how things are going to work at Santa's workshop from now on. First, he appoints Thomas as the new head of the elves, revealing his full name to be Doubting Thomas. No relation. <laughs> it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. And that's how Thomas right. got yeah. to the top of the, the corporation. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. My favorite line here is from Pops, who is shocked to learn that his name is Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. He told me that he stood for Dwayne. <laughs> that is barely a joke. It's yes. Not, yeah. <laughs> no joke lands well. No, Nothing yeah. lands at all no. in this. Santa sure didn't. He crashed into a tree. (laughs) (laughs) So now Angus McBrag finally reveals his master plan to spread negativity throughout the world by making the elves mass produce a doubting Thomas doll that spouts discouraging messages and hypnotizes you. So he tells the elves to get to work, adding a hi-ho, hi-ho after that. And then we get a little background music of Whistle While You Work. That's why no one saw this cartoon for 30 years. They were hiding from Disney's copyright lawyers. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, this falls prey to that casual IP infringement. So so everywhere in the old days before (laughs) Disney was like, oh, we can sue everyone. And that's right. Right. Well, we cut back to Santa in the park now playing checkers against the dog. Just content with staying put right there on that park bench, and Comet tells us nothing he said made him change his mind. So now it's time for Orion to use his awesome soulmate powers. And I'll let him explain those. The writer didn't want to write what Comet was going to say to try and convince Santa. So they just cut away and came back as like, well, I tried all the arguments <laughs> I know of. But my nephew wrote this. Here it is. All I do is I cosmically contact my soulmate Aurelia. Once done, our audacious soulmate powers will combine in lofty, exalted majesticness. What? That is the most surfer dude in a Pop-Tarts commercial sentence. Yes. Uh, this is the part where I took the note. This is some hippie shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. This special is some real, <laughs> real hippie business. You say that out loud now and you'll get an okay, Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Even Comet replies with what? So Orion explains in simpler terms, see it, believe it, and make it come true. And he taps his panel on the side of his head and attempts to reach out to Aurelia. Did this special invent the Bluetooth earpiece? I think so. (laughs) This is where we get the joke. He's just making a cellular call. Even Comet says it works like a telephone and Truman the dog is very pleased at his joke. Your head works like a telephone? A headphone. (laughs) A headphone. Get it? Huh? 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 Waka waka. Waka. Oh boy. Sides were splitting. (laughs) It's a dog joke. So we cut back to the North Pole as Aurelia gives Orion an update, and we're on the factory lines as Thomas gleefully puts together these dolls of himself. 
And Pops just puts them in boxes. These elves have made zero protest about getting taken over. Complicit. And we have not seen any evidence of the scepter work happening here. Eye whammies. These elves are just like, all right, new boss. Back yeah. to work. Yeah, right? <laughs> How how is the new boss any different than the old one? I mean, they worked us to make toys. They're like the minions. They just need to have a leader. I that's it. I, yeah, I mean, when you're ground down by the hierarchy that is capitalism, you're yeah. like, I'm still getting paid. I'll just do this. You know, who cares? I'm making minimum wage. I'm an elf at the North Pole. Yeah, not a lot of job options up there. It's easier to do it than just to complain. You know what I mean? We're just mass producing one toy. It's actually easier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to complain. Sure, this new guy's super evil, but at least we're just doing one thing. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> It'd be one thing if the special actually showed Angus using his magic to make them do his bidding, but it played out more like, well, guess he's in charge now. But with all these elves just giving up outright, there's enough negative energy from that alone to break up Aurelia's reception, so she tries what she calls magic imagining. I see myself helping Santa and Truman to believe in themselves again. I believe I can help them. Now I make it come true. And with that, a little wisp of glittery magic something darts up the chimney and all the way to Ella's house. Right. So her plan, her magic imagining is to steal an unfinished letter from a blind girl who doesn't even get the chance to say who it is from. I don't think she realizes it. I think it's just this glittery magic something is all knowing and takes care of itself. He created life. Yeah. What are the ramifications? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Ellis typing a letter to Santa on a typewriter. Look, it's a typewriter. I remember those. Yeah. <laughs> so old. <laughs> so old. I think my class in fifth grade was the last to learn to type on a classic mm. typewriter because the next year they got Max. Keyboarding. Mm-hmm. Key- yep. Keyboarding, yeah. The kids are learning keyboarding, not typewriting yep. anymore. And I got to say, that's where this country should go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all over the place with my political opinions. Oh, Jeez. <laughs> I learned to type on the heaviest typewriter in the world. Oh. <laughs> now back to Ella's room where we see her sadly typing a letter to Santa on Christmas Eve. My guess was she's going to leave the note for him. Honestly, I don't think the writers knew. No. no, like, I no, I don't think they cared or or knew. Yeah, they forgot what time anything didn't matter. Exactly. No, yeah. time is meaningless. But we hear, I guess, Ella's mother calling. You should rest now. So she goes to bed and we see this wisp of magic imagining power fly through the window and sort of grab Ella's unfinished letter from the typewriter. And I don't know why her window is open in the middle of winter. And once again, Hollywood never has screens in the window, so uh, no. things can just go right out. Yeah, I mean, I've had my windows open in the in the middle of the. We won't get into that, but no. um, yeah, it's very hot in New York City apartments in the winter, so you open your windows. So I get it. That's it. But I have screens to keep bugs out, so I my letters can't get that far. Sure. 
fireplace is cooking downstairs. I got to crack a window. So that letter we can assume is on its way to Santa. I don't know if I assume that at this no. point. All bets are <laughs> off for narrative. <laughs> the, I, I think it's going to the good soul, maybe, perhaps. Yeah, it looks like a misfire. It's just like, what does this letter have to do with anything? <laughs> Meanwhile, we finally get to see Angris demonstrate what this doubting Thomas doll can do. He pulls the string on the back and makes Aurelia stare into its glowing eyes while it says, You no longer believe in yourself or in anything so this is the dawn of social media then (laughs) (laughs) i wake up and first thing in the morning i scroll my doubting comments (laughs) start my day off right isn't that what they changed twitter to isn't it oh doubting (laughs) dt now oh yeah i'm on the downing thomas i don't want to be but all my friends are there (laughs) yeah well and this same magic hand of doubt from Angris's scepter emerges from the doll's eyes, sort of pokes Aurelia in hers, and she's under the trance, which breaks her connection with Orion, and we hear an operator over his headset. The soul you are trying to reach is currently under a spell and thus out of our service range. Thank you for using Soulnet. Soulnet! <laughs> we should have used that against the Terminators. <laughs> <laughs> No, that would work. They don't have imaginations. But with the connection broken, Orion asks Comet to help him magic imagine. He instructs them to make a picture, a mental picture of what they want. See it, believe it, and make it come true. They repeat that a few times. See it, believe it, and make it come true. See it, believe it, and make it come true. But... The one thing that you're forgetting to mention after that, they say, and then put your thought inside a pink bubble and that energy will make it come true. It's at this point, Thomas should have said, okay, wait, you lost me at that last part. Like the, the pink bubble. I mean, (laughs) yeah, they never come back to that. Is that what the good soul is? Is the good soul a pink bubble? The good pink bubble. Oh, see, this is what every good cult does or bad cult does is like it sounds very reasonable until there's that one thing that they ask you to believe extra yeah. and you're like pink bubble and a lot of people by that story will be like i guess it's a metaphor but yeah, no, I guess. Not, not in this it's not but it appears to be working for common who starts floating off the ground which fine he's a reindeer for santa claus but if that's making him rise into the sky it must be working And sure enough, we see that same wisp of energy emerge from Orion, fly into space, and hit the good soul. Remember him? They did it. Soulmate energy. Flow to where you're needed most. Apparently, that beam of positive energy needs to reach him first, and then he can send one of his own back down to Earth. That's no good. That's like cellular technology. Like, you know, you got to relay by the closest tower. You can't be going up to the satellite and back. Too much lag. Like, I can't be sending my wishes to the the pink soul on the other, other side of the universe. Well, he's over Earth now. He traveled with them. Oh. He kind of guided them there, so he's still hanging out. I forgot that he traveled with them. Everyone forgot he traveled with them, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) He's hovering over the soulmate's corner trying to micromanage them in their first mission. That's what's happening. (laughs) Uh, that's all right 
So we cut back to the North Pole again, where Thomas tests out how this spell is working on Aurelia, who's now got bags under her angry yellow eyes and punches Thomas in the face, sending him flying across the room. And he's never been happier to have been punched in the face. That means his doubting Thomas doll is working. But not for long, because the good soul's wave of positive energy flies down the chimney and hits both Aurelia and Thomas. She is restored to her usual positive self, and even Thomas has a much happier smile on his face, which is magically shaven now. <laughs> yeah, because good people don't have beards. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. His evil five o'clock shadow is suddenly gone. <laughs> <laughs> the close shaving power of positive thinking. Our <laughs> <laughs> Gillette Mach 3 is so full of positive power that you will not even feel the stubble. That's why Santa rides that Norelco racer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I'd like to have seen some actual danger of Aurelia being under that negative spell for a little longer than 30 seconds. Yes, things got to move fast when you only have 24 minutes Four to minutes. tell your story. Yeah. yeah. You used up all the time on the two songs. Yeah, that's it. But isn't there a point around here, Mike, that they actually include a piece of dialogue where Angris, uh, or or maybe it's the head elf says, the reindeers are not going to help you deliver the toys. And then he says, well, don't worry. Angris has a plan to get the elves to pull the sleigh. Yeah, that's just, a little later. But yeah, that's oh, okay. exactly what happens. First, we cut back to the park. Orion's ready to go to the North Pole to help Aurelia. But Santa is still checked out. I've given up on Christmas and Santa, just like everybody else has. I don't belong at the North Pole anymore. But Santa... Go home, Comet. You do belong there. Before they leave, Orion reminds Santa, anyone can do magic imagining as long as they really, truly believe. And we leave that there. We cut back to the North Pole. Jesus TV show. <laughs> Shit or get off the pot. <laughs> like, you keep cutting back and just Hell be like, we gotta do this thing. We gotta do this thing. We gotta do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and now we see Angris has discovered Aurelia's back to her normal self, and Thomas is suddenly in a good mood, so he holds them both at scepter point and marches them back inside the workshop. But we cut back in the park bench again. Oh. <laughs> Ella's letter has found its way to Santa, but he can't read it because he lost his glasses after he crashed into that tree. Literally no powers. The most useless Santa Claus ever. <laughs> I have the power to make someone read this letter for me. For me. Here, read this letter to me, dog. <laughs> Which is such a wild statement. <laughs> and remember, Ella didn't finish it, so it's not signed. He doesn't know who it's from, but it says my best friend has run away because he doesn't believe that he's good enough for me anymore. Hang on. Can Ella understand the dog, too? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? I just assumed. <laughs> I took it for granted that Santa could understand the dog and the reindeer could understand the dog and the alien from another planet could understand the dog. But the human that I wasn't sure about. Yeah, it's very unclear. It's murky. 
I wasn't sure if Ella could, but how else could she have known that Truman doesn't believe he's good enough for her anymore? Because she imagined magic did? <laughs> I don't know. No, that's the reverse thing. I don't know. Uh-huh. Oh, my, my <laughs> Truman's photo of us is gone. I felt mm. around and couldn't find it. The letter continues, but I don't want anyone but him. I love him and I need him more than anything in the world. You're the only one who can bring him back to me, Santa. And that's where the letter ends. And it moves Santa to tears. And he says he can figure out who sent it by feeding it into his letter code detector at the North Pole. (laughs) What the heck? This who this guy, like I said, this is guy. He's one of the challengers of the unknown. He's not. He has literally no powers whatsoever. He's All Batman. He uses technology to his advantage. Yes, <laughs> that's a much better DC reference than the challengers of the unknown that I mentioned. But yes, <laughs> Batman. Uh, you're right. All he uses is gadgets. I mean, he can't now we got to go back to the North Pole, Santa, after all this to plug this half written letter into your code detector, which, okay, I know this is the thing we're just now learning about, but it works on typed letters. (laughs) She typed it. Santa's got some breakthrough machine that can identify a person by either their typewriter's ink or maybe some dead skin cells that fell onto the paper. (laughs) Every typewriter has its own fingerprint, like missing bits of letters. Yeah. A personal identifier. (laughs) That's it. It smells like her. But Santa's determined to help whoever this is. And without his glasses, he tells Truman, you're a guide dog. You're going to have to guide me. (laughs) wow way to way to pigeonhole me the whole reason for existing that's the whole reason there is blind ella and this dog is for that one line of dialogue yeah not to show people with different abilities in a good light (laughs) but just as narrative convenience (laughs) a throwaway (laughs) line that you're a guide dog you can get us back to the North Pole, a place you've never been before. Right. <laughs> and Truman still has his doubts, but he and Santa decide to try some of that magic imagining stuff. <laughs> Here again is where this feels like a pilot. They're really trying to sell this magic imagining bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See it, believe it, do yeah. it. Like that's yeah. the t-shirt, that's the lunchbox. The way that they had set this up and they've used it a couple of times, I fully expected there would be another song about magic yeah. imagining. Mm-hmm. Nope. We cut back to the North Pole. Pops delivers the completed Doubting Thomas toys to Angris, who tells him to harness up the sled. But here's where they say the reindeer aren't there. They're looking for Santa. So Angris tells Pops, all right, harness up the elves instead. How did he, did he have a plan of how he was going to get the elves to use the sled? I don't know. Elves can't fly. (laughs) Right. Did he have magic? Could his scepter work? Like out of the blue, he's just throwing out this, well, we'll get the elves to do it. It's like, what? Well, Well, I will challenge you with this. Because the show has not specifically told us that elves can't fly, I wouldn't put it past the writers for being like, elves can fly. I'll <laughs> challenge you with this. So. What do you need the slain reindeer for? You have a flying Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a very good point. 
We never find out whether elves can fly because Common and Orion burst in, followed by Santa and Truman. Mm-hmm. And Santa's back to his jolly old self, just like that. You know, you guys have been a real pain. Oh, 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 oh. We don't see any sort of transformation sequence. He's just, oh, I'm fine again. Yeah, it happened. Not a pink bubble in sight. Yeah, they magic yeah. imagined <laughs> off screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know the expression, show it, don't say it? Well, this is like, don't show it and don't say it. And just leave everybody <laughs> guessing for everything. Everything happens off screen. Don't show it. Don't tell us what happened. They all close their eyes when they magic imagine. So imagine a plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's found his suit and glasses among the wreckage of his sleigh, I guess. And a red wave of Santa's own positive energy hits the doubting Thomas doll. Oh, there's Santa's powers. And causes the doll to say, Believe in yourself and you can do anything. How do you do that? <laughs> it's so late, Paul. Leaving Angris and us very confused as to how that all works. Yes. Yep. No idea. Santa simply explains it's soulmate power, which combined with Santa's own magic, I guess, is powerful enough to turn all the evil dolls into good dolls. You know what I want to see now? Santa versus Chucky. <laughs> right. Yeah, there we go. That, that, that demands to be made. Angris drops the doll and backs away in horror, hits his head a couple more times on his way out, because remember, elf-sized building falls down some stairs after slipping on an icy patch because he doesn't listen <laughs> and pieces out in his flying Cadillac that he forgot he owned. Yeah, no ramifications. No. He gets away. Literally, they don't even defeat this villain. Like no. they just, the, some sort of unexplained soulmate's power changes all the dolls. They let this blue... A zoot suit, 50s gangster guy, <laughs> run out to his car, drive, oh, fly away, and that's it. Like, he, it, it, th- th- this thing, you, I mean, saying it races to a conclusion is an understatement. Yeah. But yet it felt like it took forever to get there, Michael. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was the slowest race to a conclusion. <laughs> yeah, they put a lot of detail into animating this flying Cadillac crash into the chimney, and then we see it fly away, making cartoon jalopy noises. I guess we were meant to run into Angus McBrag again, but for now, Christmas is saved. We now see Santa flying in his sleigh with the soulmates circling around the reindeer on their surfboards. Truman is riding up front with Santa because he's a good boy and tells him he hopes Ella gets what she wants for Christmas. And that's when Santa reveals, oh, remember that unsigned letter? I ran it through my code detector machine I just told everyone about. It was from Ella, and all she wants for Christmas is you. Mm. That song wasn't even written yet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think in me versus Christmas specials, I think this one won. (laughs) Honestly, I think it defeated me. (laughs) They arrive at Ella's building. The soulmates point out to Truman, you were the one who guided Santa back to the North Pole somehow. Somehow. So you can guide Ella through life for sure. 
And Truman hops off Santa's sleigh, and I hope onto a fire escape, because we just cut to him running into Ella's room and onto her bed. Santa's got a real issue with dropping people off on rooftops. (laughs) Yes. We see Santa fly off into the snowy night sky across the moon, which sort of turns into the good soul, who turns to us and declares, It's positively a Merry Christmas. And we reprise the theme song and roll the credits. And then Orion and Aurelia go back into stasis. I mean, that's really the last thing we see. <laughs> we see them slowly like get a, a thing closing over them. And you see like an alien skitter by of like, will they make it off LV 58 or whatever? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, after the credits, the best thing uh, about this series or this this show happens. It's forgotten for 30 years. For 30 <laughs> so don't, years. Don't forget that good thing that came from this. <laughs> no one thought about this for 30 years. They definitely tried to make a series out of this. The copyright in the credits is to Soulmates Productions Incorporated which had a total of three Google results when I searched for it in quotes, this video, the IMDb entry for it, and the government of Ontario notice of default in complying with the Corporations Tax Act from 2007. (laughs) Wow. So I guess that was 15 years after this. They gave it a shot and just didn't do anything. (laughs) Who owns the who owns the IP? Can we snatch this up and uh, and revive it like a gritty reboot? Maybe I don't think anybody owns it now because they defaulted on yeah. their. <laughs> yeah, how do we how do we pick this up? How do we uh, profit <laughs> off of this? Look, if we're the ones that have found this thing, and the only three people in the world to have watched it, <laughs> I'm assuming we got to file some forms with the government of Ontario, I guess. <laughs> This is just another one of those monkey paw sort of wishes where it's just like, be careful what you wish. Your wish. Exactly. <laughs> Seriously, like, yeah, I guess it's kind of cool that you kind of remember this from a TV in the back of a photo that you had. But like, look what you did. Look <laughs> <laughs> what you started. You made us have to watch this. Like, shame on you. It was dead and buried. <laughs> it's like bringing Buffy back after she's dead. And she's like, no, I was very happy being dead. <laughs> Why didn't you just leave me there? No. Any final thoughts on the soulmates and the gift of light? Well, I got to say, first of all, for a Christmas special, terrible name. Terrible, mm-hmm. terrible name. Yep. But um, I got to say, I'm. In a strange way, I'm glad I watched it uh, because it is so completely insane. I mean, for a story about spreading positivity, it's utterly joyless. (laughs) You know what I mean? The whole thing feels uh very flat to me. It, it, it's it's such a strange thing. The, the, The choice of the music. Well, on its own, those songs, as we said, are kind of okay. But with it, within this special, it's so strange. I don't know, man. It's it, it is as bad and as odd as we've been waxing here for this entire episode. But I'm quite 
happy, uh, Mike, that you told me about this and that I saw it in a perverse way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, it is kind of like, uh, you know, when you have a cavity and it like hurts when you suck air through your teeth, but then you'd keep doing it, you know, it like, yeah, it's perverse is, is exactly the right. <laughs> Is exactly the right word. And also like the joy list really res- resounded with me there. It, like when you said that, I was like, this feels like something that you would watch with your parents or grandparents. And like every five minutes they turn and be like, this is funny. You're having fun. And you'd be like, I don't think I am, but you keep telling me I'm having fun <laughs> with this. You know, it's one of those. Things. It's like a first birthday party. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It strangely almost feels like it was commissioned by the educational system or something like that. Like it's, we got to have this great moral message, but it's so poorly executed. It's not done by a proper storyteller. It is, it's just flat and mm-hmm. no, nothing. It's not fun at all. <laughs> you know, you say that about being commissioned. I kind of got the sense that this was commissioned by the church or something like, yeah. No. And then like, well, hear me out, hear me out because like, it's not overtly religious. And I think it's because the church was like, we want to make this and, and the Canadian government separating church and state in ways that other countries don't. I won't name names, said, <laughs> no, you can't do that. And they're like, okay, so we're going to call this power of positive thinking. Can that can that get through if we just say that? Because there's like a little bit of sousson of like belief in something can make something come true and someone is pretty special. You know, like it just, it feels like something that started from a religious angle that just had all the religion shaved off of it because like, that's not the product we want to put out. That, that yeah. was kind of a little bit of an impression that I got from this. It could be. It sounds like they started with a cute little story. I'm trying to be positive about this. Can mm. you tell? But believe it, imagine it, do it, What? see it. See it, believe it, and make it come true. And put it in a pink bubble. There you go. Put it in a pink, pink bubble. bubble. They needed to rearrange some bits of this story to make it a little more exciting. Give the conflict a little more weight. Yeah. Add some guns. <laughs> And explain something. Explain some things. <laughs> Anything. They were trying to establish a world for these soulmates to save, and then they forgot to explain anything. Yeah. Yeah. Or they said, we'll get to it in the next episode. But the next episode never happened. Mm-hmm. I like the idea behind the message. It's a unique way to teach thinking positively and to tie it into a Christmas story for one episode. But I'm glad someone was able to find out what this was based on a random family photo. It's kind of a miracle this was rediscovered. If it's not a hoax. (laughs) Not a hoax. It's real and it's spectacular. Well, one of those things is true. Uh... As I continue doing this podcast, we're going to start getting into the weeds more and running into more of these one-off specials. So I'm excited for that. 
Yeah. And that's the fun of this show is that you're rediscovering or discovering these very strange holiday specials. And as yeah. your point, the longer this show goes on, you're going to fall into that camp of the discovering these strange, weird or potentially awful ones. But that can be fun. It sure can. And I had fun. And thank you both for sharing this gift of light with me. Always a pleasure to be on the show, Mike. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, agreed. I'll agree with that statement. Perfect. <laughs> that was real. What I he said, that was real. I believed it, and you made it come true. And I made it come true. I'm going to go crawl my pink bubble. <laughs> <laughs> well, if people want to cosmically contact you and combine their audacious soulmate powers of lofty, exalted majesticness, I can't believe wow. I said that in one mm-hmm. take. Where can they find you on the internet, Jeff? Uh, don't don't find me. Social <laughs> media is, a, is just is just a mind killer. Get off of it, everyone. <laughs> like I don't know. Go outside. <laughs> Go outside and wish upon a star, and I will hear your wishes and 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 have a, a warm feeling. No, I have a feeling that anything anyone would want to say to me after this episode is not going to be something that I want to hear. <laughs> negative towards me. So yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not on social media much anymore. But uh, you know, if you're really dedicated, you'll find me. There it is. <laughs> DJ, can people find you on the internet? They can kind of sort of, uh, you can hear me if you like the sound of my voice on the podcast, the pop culture retrofit podcast, which we put out episodes at this point, whenever we feel like it. Uh, and if you search for, they call me Dejo or Dejo underscore M on some of those vile social medias, you'll find me. And you can find wherever I happen to be sharing media socially this month or ever uh, on this show's website at adventcalendar.house. You can find all the links in the show notes of this episode there as well. Thanks for listening, y'all. Tune in again in a couple of days for another mysterious Christmas special. Till then, for Michael Giovanni and Jeff Summagee, from my evil flying Cadillac convertible currently rocketing out of control into space... This is Mike Westfall reminding you to mind the icy patch, watch your head on the way out, see it, believe it, and make it come true. Good night, y'all. Next time on the Advent Calendar House. Chris Kringle is kidnapped. Someone stole Santa Claus. Come on, let's go look into this. It may take a small detective to track the big guy down in a mouse and mystery in me next. <laughs> 